Welcome to Build Your Thing, the podcast where we help content creators find their unique creative voice, monetize their work, and build their tribe of loyal fans. I'm your host, Matt Jarrow, and when it comes to creating content, we all want to maximize our creative output. But is there a way to make our creative output easier? Is there a way to become more efficient? Well, you bet. Today, Srinivas Rao joins me on this podcast, and Srini is the host of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast that you probably already know, and the creator of Maximize Your Output with Mem. He's interviewed more than 1,000 people and published four books, and he's certainly someone who knows a lot about how to be more productive when it comes to creating content. And with that being said, welcome Srini to the show. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, like congrats on those 1000 plus interviews on your on your amazing podcast. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Well, that's uh there's about 13 years of work in the making, so. Yeah, so I'm I'm probably 943 interviews away to reach your milestone, so there are definitely things that I can learn from you, but we'll keep this for another call. So, Srini, you are creating a lot of content um recently about uh, building your second brain in MEM. And this is why I wanted to chat with you so, you can, so that you can share your approach with the audience, how you're using mm -hmm. them, how you're using your second brain in order to create more content. But before that, could you tell us a little bit more about you and what you're actually doing besides, you know, talking about building a second brain in MEM? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it probably helps to have the background as to why the <clears throat> whole second brain in MEM was kind of just something I took to so, uh, you know, uh, quickly. Um, so, you know, as you mentioned before, I have, you know, hosted the Unmistakable Creative Podcast where I've interviewed about a thousand people and I, you know, the byproduct of that work, uh, and you know, I also wrote, uh, four books, two with a publisher, two self-published. Uh, and so the nature of my work involves processing and, um, you know, synthesizing just large, large volumes of information, probably much larger than the average person. So just to give you you know, a bit of context, I read about three books a week. Usually one is for an interview uh, with an upcoming podcast guest, and maybe two are just out of personal interest. And on top of that, I write a newsletter every week. Uh, I publish a video every week. And as you mentioned, we publish two episodes every week. So you know, it's a large volume of content production that's combined with a large volume of content consumption. So as you might imagine, it's a large volume of information to deal with. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, on top of that, I, I have uh, ADD. So, you know, I'm very easily distracted and, you know, it, distractions derail me it, like much more than the average person's. Like if I'm in a zone and somebody takes me out of it, the whole day just goes to hell. And so when I saw Mem, so, you know, I really liked this idea of the distraction-free workspace. You know, Notion was sort of my first foray into it. And I I don't even remember how I kind of went down this rabbit hole. I, I just happened to be doing some Google searches on knowledge management or something like that. And, you know, I stumbled up on um, Nat Eliasson's Rome course. And I thought, you know, this is kind of, you know, something I'm, I'm curious about. And then I found that, you know, uh, Sanka Aaron's interview on how to take smart notes. And, you know, when he mentioned Nicholas Luhmann had written 50 books and published 500 papers and got a PhD in here, I thought as a writer, I was just intrigued by, you know, why this system was so effective and, and what made it work. And I also 
you know, could relate to this idea that I mean, I have to this day still probably thousands and thousands of things I've written in Notion that just kind of never saw the light of day because I would free write and there's no way to connect one idea to another or work in sort of intermediate packets, uh, which is what Tiago Forte calls these little like notes that we put together. And <clears throat> so I took Nat Aliasson's Rome course, but I just, I couldn't really grasp the user interface of Rome. It didn't make a lot of intuitive sense to me. Uh, and so conceptually, I loved it because I thought, okay, you know what, this is great as somebody who has tons and tons of book notes and uh, all sorts of stuff. But that's when, you know, I discovered Mem. And for me, the idea that I could really, truly finally have a system that gave me, you know, access to all of my knowledge uh, at my fingertips without having to go to more than one place, like literally all of it is there, uh, you know, it, 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 just, you know, it, the only reason something isn't accessible to me in MEM is because I haven't put it there. Um, and that's about the only thing that gets me out of it. And I probably spent 80% of my day inside of MEM at this point. Uh, and so that was what drove it. It was just, you know, this, this idea that, wait a minute, I have so much knowledge. So this is the, the joke always, right? I always tell people if I could actually implement the advice that I've gotten from a thousand podcast guests, I'd be a, a billionaire with six pack abs and a harem of supermodels. Obviously I'm none of those three things. So <clears throat> I thought, you know, okay, well, what would it take to get to the point where I really could start putting this advice into action? Um, and also, you know, use the things that I learn in my podcast and, and you know, the notes that I take, the, the notes from the books I read, like, how can I use that in creating my own content? So what I, I realized, and, and this is, you know, kind of the title of one of the first emails that people get when they sign up for our free smart notes course is that collecting quotes you know, leads to useless notes. And uh, I, I thought about that because I, th I thought, you know, like I have hundreds and hundreds of notes from books where I've just you know, copied and pasted and highlighted quotes. And this is standard, you know, this is, doesn't mean it's wrong. Uh, something's wrong with somebody because they do this. It's just the way that they kind of were taught to take notes. So you look at the way that people study in college, they just highlight the entire textbook and then they go to an exam and then they wonder why they don't understand anything. And so I realized there's like a difference between consumption and understanding and consumption and true learning. And, you know, obviously these are just insights I'm having as a byproduct of going through this process of learning how to use MEM. And so bit by bit, I just started to kind of tinker with it. Then I read Sonk Aaron's book, How to Take Smart Notes. And I think the thing that is, you know, really difficult to grasp for people in a self-organizing space like Memes is that it's truly self-organizing, that you literally don't need to do any organizing. But <clears throat> the real value of something like that becomes a bit challenging to see until you accumulate a critical mass of knowledge. And usually that's around 50 or so notes. And it's not just, you know, random meeting notes or things like that, but, you know, sort of just ideas that are semi flushed out, like maybe, you know, two or three sentences. Then what starts to happen right around that point is you start to see this ability to make connections between your ideas and put things together in pieces. So it's kind of like a puzzle that you can put together in any way that you want. Actually, a better metaphor is probably Lego blocks because it, typically when you know you get a Lego set and it's like, okay, this is what the thing is supposed to look like, right? You have just this one thing you can build. But there's another Lego set called the Lego architecture set and it just comes with all these blocks of different forms and shapes and you can build anything. And so that really I think is is what MEM is like. It's like a digital Lego set with your knowledge in which you can create um, all sorts of things. And coincidentally, 
Uh, just about, I think it was probably earlier this summer, Tiago Forte published his book, Building a Second Brain. And I'd been familiar with Tiago because he'd been a guest on our podcast. And, uh, you know, in fact, I'm the one who introduced him to my literary agent who, who made that book deal happen. Uh, and, you know, I jokingly said, I was like, yeah, that was purely for selfish reasons. I just wanted you to write the book so you could write it for me. Uh, but the, the truth is that he really did. He took the concepts that he talks about and he just took it to another level in that book. I mean, I, up until about a year ago, the book that I most frequently gifted was the bullet journal. And I, I told Tiago, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give two books to people now as a gift when, you know, they get started with anything and it's going to be the bullet journal in your book because the two together really are just wonderful. And <clears throat> so, you know, Tiago did such a great job articulating it. So I, I took notes on the book as I'd been, you know, taught how to take notes from the, the Sanka Aaron's book. And so I just started really, honestly, I just started implementing every one by one. I just went and implemented every single idea in Tiago Forte's book in MEM. And out of that, you, you get this idea of building a second brain in MEM in which you have your projects, you have your resources. But here's what, what is so different is that, you know, in most traditional note-taking apps or tools, you are forced to organize information in hierarchies. So what do, what do we mean by that? Folders are a perfect example of this where, you know, if you think about the way folders are organized, right, you have to, you know, you put things into folders, subfolders, and files. Now, the problem that comes with that is that even if you set up the sort of perfect second brain system with projects, areas, resources, all that stuff, you have to actively manage that whole thing. So it's like a digital closet that you're always trying to keep clean and keep from getting cluttered. And then you also have to remember where everything is. So the amount of effort uh, that goes into, as, as you know, one of my clients said, managing the systems that manage your information is almost as much effort as putting that information to use, which makes absolutely no sense because that's not what the purpose of all this information is. <coughs> the reason that we have all this knowledge. The reason that we want all this knowledge at our fingertips is to use it, not to spend time managing and organizing it. And I think that that was really where MEM just kind of, you know, shine. And then, you know, because it was new and, you know, a lot of people hadn't done a lot with it, I just kind of tinkered a lot. And it's always just kind of a work in progress of, okay, how do I do this? And, and you know, just conducting little experiments to see what I can do, build building little automations. Ideally, you know, I, 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 I've told, you know, Dennis, the founder of MEM, I'm like, my goal is to get to sort of universal MEM, like where that is literally the only thing I use for pretty much 100% of the day. Um, and, you know, there's just a few things that it can't do yet. Like, I think right now, if, if it could export content to WordPress, then I think, you know, or a blogging platform, I would pretty much be set. Like, that would be the last, that would be, and if I could send emails from MEM, then I would pretty much, and I've gotten close to that. Um, to be able to send emails to them, the receiving emails, it, it's it's a you know clunky workaround, but it, it kind of works. So um, yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell. I mean, it really came down to the fact that I just you know, wanted to have a more effective way to not just manage large volume and volumes of information, but put it to use. Um, because you know, I have all these these podcast transcripts, and and so it's now what it what it effectively does is speed up the production process for content dramatically. Yeah, that's very interesting. So um, if we can go back a little bit. So um, I've, you know, stumbled across this whole idea of, you know, Zettelkasten linking your notes, standardizing, um, 
and you know like all the different concepts uh, that I've been talking uh, for uh, you know uh, in my uh, my my free course too. Um, the thing is that um, what like you you mentioned that previously you were actually uh, uh, um, putting all your notes in into Notion, and before that, mm-hmm. did you use any other note taking app? Because like if I go back on my note taking journey, like I just started, I guess uh, as a lot of people in Evernote. And then I just saw that, well, like this thing just doesn't work and it's just too slow. Well, and I'm just Yeah, I, I, I used Evernote. I didn't really, but I, I mean, I had Evernote. I never used it. Then I tried Ryan Holiday's note card system, but my handwriting is atrocious. So that didn't really work for me. And I just didn't have the discipline to follow through on it. And I never looked at the index cards again. So um, when I was introduced to idea of second brain, I thought, okay, you know what, this is a framework that I can really kind of get my heads around and, you know, head around. And I like, you know, I liked the fact that Tiago had it in digital form. And then, you know, I learned enough from Natalie Leeson's course that just kind of made things, it sped up my, my note-taking process too, uh, you know, by using apps like Rewise to capture notes from books and things like that. Um, and, you know, connect Kindle imports and stuff like that. Cause I, I primarily read physical books. Like I, I really don't like Kindle books that much. Um, I just find that I don't synthesize, I, I don't retain what I read. So, yeah, I mean, it, so I think that, you know, it, part of it was just evolution, but I think the, you know, thing that I, when I landed on MEM, it was just like, okay, this is great. But I think the big thing that drew me to MEM, like I said, was the fact that it was the, you know, it really reduced this sort of hyperactive hive mind workflow that Cal Newport talks about in a world without email, where it's just like, oh, I have to, you know, look in a folder to find this. I have to look in another place. And even in Notion, it was just like, where the hell is this? And sometimes I can find it. But, you know, in MEM, I think it just, you know, to be able to put everything together in one place really fast, like you can assemble, you know, sort of the core concepts of a blog post in five minutes. I mean, I, you know, my friend Gareth and I do this episode called the Creativity Hour for of our podcast. We just pick a random topic. And at this point, I have something like seven, 8,000 notes in MEM. So sometimes I don't have an idea for what we're going to do. And I just sift through the database. I'm like, oh, okay, here, here's an interesting concept. And I can put together an outline for an episode in less than a minute. And, you know, sometimes while I'm talking to him, when we're doing a previous episode, he'll say something. And I'm like, oh, that's basically the title for our next episode. And so I think this ability to keep making connections between your ideas is what really struck me. But what it also forced me to do is to just start to really understand why, why that, why MEM is so powerful because MEM allows you to organize information the way that you think. So let me expand on that because that just is a vague way to describe that. So you know, I mentioned earlier, folders are an example of hierarchies. Well, your brain is not a hierarchy. Your brain is a network of thoughts, ideas, insights, memories. And, you know, if you think of anything, right, um, I notice you have an accent. So if I say the name of your, you know, your native country, immediately you have hundreds and hundreds of memories that you associate. You have hundreds of ideas that you associate. And that recall is instant. There's no effort for that recall, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll give you an example. If you say the word prom, right? Anybody can say, okay, cool. So the thing is that you say the word prom and then all the things that you associate with prom are nodes in the network in your brain. And those are all connected to other networks. So they're all associated with each other. And so what happens in MEM is it mirrors that process where everything is connected, everything is associated. The difference being that you effectively are building this brain from scratch. So it's a bit like recreating your brain inside a digital tool, but it's a version of your brain 
that has amnesia and your job is to restore its memory uh, by feeding it with information and data. And then of course, as a byproduct of that, you'll also make new memories and new insights. And so the result eventually is that you just have this massive collection of knowledge. And so that's the thing, like part of why mem looks the way it does when I use it is because I have so much knowledge inside of there that I've captured. It was, this is 18 months worth of work. So there's probably about seven, 8,000 notes in there at this point. You know, so if you think about that, imagine just having 10,000 different nuggets of knowledge at your fingertips on virtually any topic that you've read about, studied about in your own words, like just, you know, how quickly can you assemble things and put things together? Um, that I think is really its power is, is you just have one, it's networked and two, you can retrieve things with zero fi- friction. So you add those things together and, and suddenly you get this very, very powerful tool. And, and this is why I say, you know, like if you really think about it, MEM isn't a personal knowledge management tool. It's a personal knowledge generation tool. And nobody wants to manage knowledge. We want to generate knowledge. Like we have to manage knowledge in order to generate it. That's just a precursor. Um, it's, it's like a prerequisite. If we want to create content, we want to do anything. So yeah, you know, knowledge management is the prerequisite to knowledge generation. And see, I just said that to you. And if I'm, you know, like while we're talking, I can be like, oh, cool. That's an insight. I'm going to write that down, you know, and now I can go uh, back and expand. It's, on it. it's, it's just for interrupting you, but I just wrote it down as, as you were, as you were talking about it. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, literally I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. Like now I have, I have, I was trying to find the words to say what I wanted to say. Um, but, you know, and so now it doesn't even matter. Like now that I've said it, I have this note in mem and I can, I can just go back and anytime I can just randomly search just for that word knowledge. Even if I forget to fill in the note, I can just go back and find it very easily. Mm-hmm. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, to- totally. So um, I, I've always, I've also been, let's say, drawn into this jettlecast and, and linking the notes because it's just like mimicking how our, how our brain actually works, right? As you mentioned, we are not like working in folders and, and subcategories and, and all that kind of stuff. So that makes uh, perfect sense. But what I saw in your, um, on your YouTube channel, um, obviously we're going to link to the, to the YouTube channel in the, um, uh, in, in, in the show notes, is that you're still using kind of the para hierarchy. So can you walk us a little bit behind like the thought process behind using para and why not, you know, leave your notes like without any kind of hierarchy? Don't know if, if, uh, if my question is clear. But yeah. Okay. So, so para and mem works really differently than I think it does in any other, um, note-taking app. Uh, because the, the, you're right. Like, so I think para in a lot of ways in mem para is a way of thinking about how to organize information than a, a necessity. Right. So in, in like a Dropbox folder, Evernote and a hierarchy based tool, you have to organize it that way in mem. It just kind of helps you have things in categories and find them faster and connect them faster. So for example, if you have, you know, a category called book notes, you just click on your book note tag and then you suddenly have all of it. So I think that that's where the para structure comes into mem. So I, what I, you know, the thing I say in mem is that tags become replacements for folders. Um, and so as a result, you don't need to put anything in folders like, you know, and so you spend less time organizing and managing. You just add the tag and continue with whatever you're doing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you're more like using um, the para approach for tagging. And I also saw that you are adding some, uh, let's say, some uh, some status Re- related to a specific note, let's say if it's um, 
when it comes to prioritizing your tasks and the things that you're working on. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, perfect. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about like um, your? I know that you have like a, an interesting free writing r routine, and how does actually your free writing routine ties into your creative process? And um, are you able to use your free writing to actually produce content, or is it more kind of a kind of a, a routine that you use just to flush things out? Well, so free writing has actually changed a bit as a byproduct of, of mem, you know, so part of the, the smart notes process is now instead of aiming for the thousand words a day, I just often will process five to six notes a day. Um, and, you know, in that process, I will start to come up with ideas for new blog posts. So that way, when I start a new blog post, it's just, you know, the process is a lot faster. So I'm actually spending, I'm less and less concerned with hitting a word count as much as I am in expanding, you know, my knowledge based on the ideas that I've learned. Um, but that being said, the free writing process was, you know, absolutely instrumental to where I got to now. I mean, you know, I, I and I still do write every day, um, but it, it's hard to even articulate it as sort of, hey, you know, I just follow this thousand word routine because at a certain point, what I realized was that, you know, the thousand word a day thing was great because it gives you a target, you know, it's clear, there's no question as to whether you hit it. It's a completely objective goal, but it can also kind of become a handicap because you can just go through the motions without actually improving um, and really thinking about how to clarify your ideas and how to write more concisely and, and you know be more concrete in your arguments. So that's part of why uh, I took to to the Zettel casting because it was like, oh, this forces you to really elaborate on on what you've learned. So I'll give you an example of this, and this is when I come back to when people ask me about this. So. I was an econ major in college at, at Berkeley and I got piss poor grades. I mean, I got, I, I you know, graduated with like less than a C minus average from Berkeley. And the thing that struck me was when I, I went and kind of, you know, looked back at how I learned how to study, which was not how you should study. And that was that you go through this process. And because the thing is that the way that you're taught to study, you know, that form of studying get you straight A's in high school. I got straight A's in high school. And I realized it was like being a straight A student in high school doesn't, you know, is not an indication of intelligence. It's an indication of discipline. Any idiot can get straight A's in high school. Um, so the thing is that when you get to college, what happens is you will learn something, you know, like in, a, like in an economics class, you'll learn concepts, you'll do problem sets. And, you know, what people do typically is they go through the motions of doing the problem sets. They underline and highlight concepts. They memorize core ideas. And the problem with that is that when you get to say an exam, then what will happen is you will see that concept presented in a context that you've never seen before. And so what happens is that then you really have to demonstrate that you understood. And of course, if all you're doing is going through the motions, you don't actually understand, you've just gone through the motions. And so thinking about that kind of changed the way that I wrote, started writing. So I spent a lot of time flushing out notes and, uh, you know, just really kind of elaborating on those. But then when I am down, ready to sit down and write, I now have just such an abundance of research already done that the process of actually writing happens really fast. So I can like lay out the basic concepts for a thousand, you know, 3000 word blog post in five minutes. And then I can write a shitty version of that article in probably an hour. Okay. that, that That's very interesting. And um, how, how, how do you approach the, the energy management when it comes to, you know, like, like everyone who's been practicing 
um, you know, really working on their notes rather than just saving, mm -hmm. uh, you know, information into their into their note taking apps. So, um, do you do you experience, let's say, any any fatigue when it comes to you know, yeah. having to process your notes every day? Yeah, of course. So, so I, I think this takes us back to a lot of basic productivity strategies, you know, that center around sort of flow and attention management. What I find is that there's a diminishing return on your attention throughout the day. Um, it, and it, it really depends. Now, this is not set in stone for me because I'm a morning person. Um, I, mm -hmm. you know, like you got me in an interview at, at what would have been 6 a.m. my time. And that was probably why it was such a struggle to get me on, you know, book for you because I really don't like morning meetings. Um, mornings are, you know, sort of my prime time, but you're in another country. So I was like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll, you know, do this. And, uh, you know, because we have different times of day. So I, I think the thing to, you know, do is you really want to optimize your schedule based on your biorhythms. And when you're most likely to be at your peak and we're all at different, you know, at our peak at different times, like there are people who are night owls, they do their best work late at night. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I'll sit down with a glass of wine at six o'clock in the evening and just hammer out notes for, you know, 30 minutes. And, you know, sometimes from that, I'll get some of my best ideas because I'm semi drunk, but you know, then I wake up in the morning. I'm like, okay, that wasn't such a bright idea after all. Uh, but I, I typically think it, it just tends to be based on kind of what your optimal rhythms are. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And when it comes to your to your routine, like, are you approaching, let's say, working on your notes, like, as you mentioned previously, like, every day, you just have, let's say, a specific, a specific milestone that you that, that you were then you were? Yes, yeah, so this is a good question. It's funny, because I'm about to do a video on this today. Um, so sure. this workflow has gotten refined more and more with time. So typically, what I will do uh, so, you know, we go back to the smart notes just for people who are listening who don't know what, you know, smart, the, the sort of basic structure of smart notes. So you have four core types of notes inside this system, right? You have what are called your fleeting notes and fleeting notes are basically just sort of a one sentence, you know, a couple words reminder uh, of something you read. And it's like on this page, it says this, you know. And then from your fleeting notes, you create literature notes. Your fleeting notes just get tossed. Like they don't ever make it into the system. And so your literature notes are going to be your version of that concept where you write, you know, you give it a title, you write the idea out in your own words, you say what page number it is on, and then you do that. So what I will do typically is, you know, I'll read, you know, maybe 80 to 100 pages every day. I'll write down my fleeting notes, maybe five or six of them in a notebook. And then I just create six or seven blank fleeting notes, or I basically create, you know, five or six blank literature notes, and I just add them to my inbox in Mem. So that way, they're in the inbox. Like, I think the inbox is one of Mem's most underutilized features. It took me a while to understand why it was so useful, because the inbox then, the inbox is actually probably one of the best prioritization tools in Mem, because you know, I think the, the thing that can happen is when you're scrolling through your timeline and, and you see all these different things, you can get distracted, uh, ironically, within a system that's distraction-free. Uh, but the inbox kind of narrows your focus to just a handful of things. So when I have, you know, five, six, seven things in my inbox, I know that's it. Like, this is all I'm going to work on today. Um, and even talking to you about this is making me think about it, you know, even more so. So it, I was, you know, talking to Julian Smith, who's mentoring me, and he was talking about sort of this attention, effort, and disproportionate value funnel, right? So it, you look at sort of the things that you give your attention to, and you say, okay, like, which out of the things that I give my attention to, which ones produce the most disproportionate value or, you know, for the effort, where do I get the most reward? Because it's always going to be disproportionate. It's not linear. And 
the funny thing about that is then you start to realize that the number of tasks, tasks you complete in a day is a really shitty way to measure your productivity because it's not a measure of effectiveness. It's just a measure of crossing items off a list because not all tasks are created equal. And so when you, you know, sort of say, okay, I'm going to work on these two or three things that have, you know, the potential for a huge impact. And I'll, I'll give you a, 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 just a personal example because I wrote about it the other day. So a couple of years ago, PodFund, the, the venture fund that invested in, in podcasters, including ours, they made this announcement that they were going to invest, you know, do $50,000 seed rounds in a couple of emerging creators. And that day, um, somebody told me about the application and I remember looking in the podcaster movement Facebook group and there everybody was basically discussing what they would do with $50,000 or how they would use $50,000. I went and filled out an application. So you think about that, right? The time that it takes to fill out the application, maybe it takes, you know, an hour to dick around on Facebook and the output is what you have a couple of comments on Facebook and some pointless, stupid discussion. Now, maybe it takes three to five hours to fill out the application to gather all the materials. And what's the outcome? $50,000 in seed funding. So that's the way you, you kind of think about it. And, and so that's kind of the, the processing approach that I take now is, is, okay, I have these you know five notes and I'm like, I'm going to take these five notes and these are the things that I'm going to work on today as far as notes go. And when I'm done with those five notes, I'm done with smart notes for that day. And what's crazy is how quickly this adds up. And when you're taking these literature notes, inevitably, you're going to have ideas of your own, and you just add bi-directional links to those literature notes, then those become permanent notes. And so basically, you know, the inbox, honestly, is where a lot of my work in MEM happens. In fact, I do most of my work, I'm realizing just from talking to you in the inbox, and that's how I should manage everything is the, in, the inbox really becomes your to-do list for the day. Mm, that's, that, that, that's very interesting. And um, like, you mentioned that you're taking a lot of um, that you're reading a lot of physical books. So I would, I'm curious, like about about your workflow. How how do you manage that? So since everything yeah, goes yeah. into your inbox, like are you rewriting? Let's say, um, yeah, the okay, so interesting. Yeah, so that that's that's exactly what I'm doing. So what I, what I will do is I will underline or highlight a passage in the book. Um, then when I write down sort of the one sentence reminder of what that passage was about, I put it in a physical notebook, and then. I go into MEM and I create a literature note based on that idea and I just add it to the inbox. So for example, I might have five notes that I wrote down in the notebook. I add those five notes to MEM, you know, uh, then I go in and I just add five notes to the MEM inbox and then I start the work on processing the notes. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Srini, like uh, I really appreciate your time. I just, uh, I don't want, you know, to take a bigger toll on your on your time and on your, your, your peak hours. Um, is there anything that you want to add before we wrap up this call? Oh, no. I mean, I, I think that, you know, so we, we have a free course called Maximize Your Output uh, or How to Take Smart Notes. You can uh, learn more about it at maximizeyouroutput.com slash smartnotes. Um, I'll send you a link for that. Uh, but yeah, no, other than that, you know, you can check out our, our mem tutorials on our, our channel and then we have the maximize your output with mem course. Awesome. Thank you very much, Swinier. It was a pleasure to talk to you and, uh, well, hope to catch up soon. Yeah, sounds good. All right. So hope that you've enjoyed this episode with Srinivas Rao. As always, I'm going to leave all the links in the show notes below. So you're going to find Srini's tutorials about mem, but also his online course, and I'm also going to leave a link to my free email course to improve your note-taking. It's a seven-day free email course, so feel free to check that out too. Thank you very much for tuning in and talk soon.